Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Kids that think that, that about me. Wow. All right, Ashley, you can see the full yeah. interview on Banfield. I know. <laughs> I, we're out of town. I don't want to go into the hill. It, it's going to be tonight at 10 Eastern, Ashley Banfield. Thank you so much, Ash. Great to see you. Now, the Hill, moderated by Blake Berman. I'm Elizabeth Vargas. Have a great night. And now it's reached the White House, a University of Georgia, Georgia student murdered by an illegal immigrant who crossed into the country along the southern border in 2022 and was let go by New York authorities after being arrested there in 2023. What President Biden and former President Donald Trump are saying today about the death of Lake and Riley and both today, by the way, also confirming they will be headed to the southern border this week. Come on in. Thanks for joining us. I'm Blake Berman, and this is The Hill on News Nation. All right, here we go. Hanging out with us today, Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor, and by the way, host of The Hill Sunday, which is premiering this weekend. <laughs> Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Kelly Meyer, News Nation Washington correspondent. And Mick Mulvaney, former Trump White House chief of staff, News Nation contributor as well. Hello to you all. Happy Monday. We obviously begin with this uh, heartbreaking story out of the state of Georgia on the campus of the University of Georgia, where today, as they have been for the last couple of days, students there mourning the death uh, of one of their classmates, the loss of Lake and Riley. Watch. Lakin, a caring, driven sister who taught us what a true friend is. Although the flowers in our house will fade, the visitors will slow, and we will begin classes again, our hearts will always ache without Lakin, who was such an integral part of our sisterhood. Statement from President Biden uh, from the White House today, quote, we would like to extend our deepest condolences to the family and loved ones uh, of Lakin Riley. People should be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law if they are found to be guilty, end quote. Donald Trump, the former president, uh, current Republican frontrunner, saying this, quote, crooked Joe Biden's border invasion is destroying our country and killing our citizens. The horrible murder of 22-year-old Lakin Riley at the University of Georgia should never have happened, end quote. Chris, it's reached now to the level of President Biden and Donald Trump weighing in. Yeah, and you know... Um, all murders are heartbreaking. Right? There, yep. there, there, there are no, there are no uh, unsad murders. Um, and obviously, when you have a murder that crosses over into this highly politicized, highly charged space, people are going to try to take advantage of it. Um, and we saw how uh, Donald Trump used 
uh, uh, the term that they use are uh, the angel murder, angel families. Uh, the coin, the, the phrase they uh, coined for families of people who were killed by illegal immigrants. Yep. Um, it is effective messaging, and it does, uh, wh- whether it's cynical or not, it is effective, and it certainly puts Joe Biden on the defense. What do you make of both the, the White House and the campaign today putting out statements? they got to say something, right? Um, but they haven't addressed the elephant in the room, which is the border policies. And, and again, Chris is absolutely right. You hate to almost talk politics about this because it's such a, a tremendous personal loss for this family. But that's what we do on this show. We talk politics, right? <clears throat> this is this is tough. This this was foreseeable. Okay, how many times have we we talked? Uh, we've seen people on this show talk about well, there hasn't been a terrorist attack yet with anybody who's come across the southern border, or there hasn't been a high profile murder yet. These things are going to happen if you let enough people in the country. It's just it's it's, it's math, right? And it's got a tough place right now for the White House to be there tonight. Yeah, but Mick, let's not talk about this. I agree with you, but let's not talk about this in terms of Democrat uh, Republicans against Democrats and it being the Democrats' fault. Because if there's going to be blood on anybody's hands, it's blood on all the Democrats and the Republicans' hands. Because Biden's first bill to the House of Representatives and the Senate was a border bill. And if you look at how both parties have conducted themselves, whether you agree with one or the other, they both failed the American people in shutting down this border. Biden, because he's moved kind of slow, Republicans, because they had a joint bill or a bipartisan bill, and they've rejected it, and they played politics and linked it to uh, Ukraine and uh, Jewish funding and what have you. And so this is nothing but politics. And so the rhetoric is offensive and disappointing because we've got a dead young woman who should be alive, whether it was an illegal immigrant that... Um, that killed her or someone, some random person killing her. It's still a tragedy. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, here's what he said earlier today. Watch. Uh, he said, quote, this is what we feared would happen uh, because we, we had seven and a half, eight and a half million people that have come into the country illegally, Kelly. I was actually just going to mention that because it's, it's twofold. You know, obviously you want to keep the focus on this terrible thing that happened to this girl as she was just running on campus and the Georgia governor saying that his own daughter goes there, his own daughter goes on that same trail and yep. works out. Mm-hmm. So it's so sad. But then he also says the family is angry and wants answers. So they're also looking for a solution here. And then it becomes political with looking at how this happened, who was responsible and what, go, what they do from here. All right. Joining us now is the congressman from that district, from Athens, Georgia, uh, Congressman Mike Collins. Uh, He represents, as I mentioned, that area in and around the University of Georgia. Congressman, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. Uh, Terribly sad for uh, your community and for those who who know uh, Lakin. I'm wondering, as you uh, sit here and you try to figure out the way forward and what's next, who you've talked to in Washington about this and and what you've heard. Well, you know, this is a gut wrenching situation. It's something that shouldn't have ever happened. Uh, what we have is illegals crossing this border, our southern border, at record pace. And uh, they are moving into these sanctuary cities, and they're conducting crimes. And then once they get caught, instead of turning them over to ICE, they're moving on to other sanctuary cities, which is what happened in this case. I mean, this guy just got arrested for shoplifting, but nothing was done to him. And uh, this is the type of things that, that, that we have got to stop. And the Biden administration could stop this in five minutes. Joe Biden has the, the, the necessary means to do that. But when he came into office, the first thing he did was just totally anything that, that, that President Trump did as far as executive orders, he reversed them. And that included that southern border down there. 
And uh, we were just down there three weeks ago. And, and Blake, I'm going to tell you, we, the, the section that we were at in Arizona is where criminals cross that border every day, all day. And uh, we had a hearing, and I was sitting there looking across the room at families. And those families were worried. <coughs> they were worried about their, their, their lives, their kids, their grandkids, mm-hmm. because the people that are pouring across that border down there are not so- here to become good citizens. You just talked about sanctuary cities and then also uh, name check Donald Trump and the Biden administration. So let me ask you bo- about both. State Senator Jason Estevez, a Democrat in your state locally, here's what he said. He said, quote, Lake and Riley's family deserve space to grieve without being used for cheap political points. Those who bring up border security should take that up with Trump, who recently whipped Republicans in D.C. into shelving a bipartisan border security bill. What would you say to him? Well, first of all, that was not a border security bill. And not anywhere near it. But let me ask you this. We passed H.R. 2 290 plus days ago. It's been sitting in the Senate. Now, if the Senate was serious about anything, which they're not, they don't take up anything that we send over there. They use everything and every opportunity as a political pawn, just like they did this one. They could have taken up H.R. 2. I haven't seen them mark it up. I don't think anybody has. Mark it up. Vote on it. Vote it down. Vote it up. Put it into conference. We know that there are some places you can compromise a little bit on, but this was a pure border bill to fix that border down there, and they have not touched it. So you cannot okay. come in and here saying that we, we didn't have a bipartisan or any effort to fix that border. And you mentioned sanctuary cities, Congressman. Um, Athens, mm-hmm. that area, that county, Clark County, the Clark County Sheriff Ira Edwards, back in 2018, <clears throat> that was five, six years ago, declared that area would be a sanctuary city. Um, what, what's the state got to do about it? Because, you know, Republicans, you've got a Republican governor, Republicans in, in the House and the Senate. I, I would think if you want to do something about that area being a sanctuary city, potentially you could. Is, is there anything you could do about it? And what might that be? Sure, there is. And uh, I know this, that the state legislature is working on that hard today. And, uh, and they should have some bills out this week that uh, I know they're pushing through the, the rules committees as we speak. And Georgia, it's illegal to have sanctuary cities. The problem is we don't put enough teeth into the bills that we have passed. So they need to go back in there and make sure that there are true penalties when these local law enforcement agencies are not reporting these illegal aliens when they come in and they commit crimes. That, that's the first thing they need to do here in Georgia. Congressman, uh, Congressman Collins, we got to leave it there, but thank you for the time. Uh, again, oh, terribly sad you. story down there in Athens, which we continue to follow here on News Nation and on the Hill. Appreciate it. All right. Well, as we mentioned, both President Biden and Donald Trump are both going to the southern border on Thursday, just a few days time. The president is traveling to Brownsville, Texas, where he will meet with Border Patrol agents, law enforcement and local leaders. The president is expected to push the House to pass the bipartisan uh, uh, border bill, which also includes funding for Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan. Uh, Donald Trump, on the other hand, who urged lawmakers to kill the bill, will visit Eagle Pass, Texas. Same day, by the way, same border, essentially. In his remarks, he is planning to hit the president over the administration's handling of the border. All right. So you've got Trump, you've got Biden down there on the same day, on the same issue. What do you expect? You know, when you were talking to the congressman, um, it really um, encapsulated, it really summed up why we are such a uh, basket case on immigration and border policy. We don't have a coherent border policy and haven't for a long time. We don't have a coherent immigration policy because it is not in the perceived advantage of either party to fix it. 
And the message that we send to the world continually is that the United States is schizophrenic on its border policies. We are inconsistent. We are a mess. And as long as the rule is not, I'm going to get a policy in place, but that it has to inflict political pain on my opponents. Mm-hmm. It's that if it's not enough just to get what you want, but you also have to punish your political opposition, then nothing's going to happen. You ask the, you ask the congressman, well, what about the bill? And he said, well, it's not our fault. It's their fault. They, they, and then, they and, didn't do it first. And then in the state of Georgia, locally, again, a, a red state, that, that's been a, a um, sanctuary city for, for five, six years. He says they're going to try to make fixes and changes and the like. But to your point, it's, it's national. It's at the state level as well. Yeah. And, what, what, oh, no, go I was, on. I was just going to answer your question. I feel like them both going here also start of the general election, which we saw this weekend with his signs, fire Biden at yeah. the South Carolina primary. So moving into that all political, but then also to touch on Chris's point, how just obviously hypocritical, and I know we're in Washington and not, you know, that's not used to anybody. <laughs> no, you're allowed. <laughs> um, Let it rip while you're but, here, no, Kelly. But just the Republicans are saying we want a border bill. Democrats say here's a border bill. Then it doesn't get done. But then Biden also saying on the other side, I can't do anymore. Now he's weighing executive action at the border potentially, but our source is saying he's not going to do that but, this week. But that proves Chris's point. I offer a friendly amendment to you. Mm-hmm. How about do something, right? Instead of talking and policy, <laughs> let's do something. Right now, the, Biden has the power to do something, right? I don't know why it's taking him so long. Well, Even the visuals. No, 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 wait a what? minute. <laughs> no, well, it will be Democrats who decide of course. whether or not Joe Biden has a free hand uh-huh. to deal with this both as a political and a practical problem. Yeah, but I put it on both the Democrats, the Republicans in the House, and the Senate, and Biden to do something. Biden can do the executive actions. I don't know why he's taking but so will long. Democrats stick but with he's, probably, well, he's, he's probably... they got to do something or they, they risk losing this election because yes. this issue's not going as, away. As Mick knows, Biden's probably setting up any executive actions or orders for the State of the Union or right before it. But I wonder... Um, what do you, you know him as well as anyone, what do you expect out of Donald Trump on Thursday? It, it doesn't make any difference. Okay. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but I <laughs> thought you were going someplace else in that video we just saw, because while the congressman was talking, there was video playing on the television screen. And what I saw, because I've heard, I've heard all the chatter, right? I've heard, I know what the Democrats are going to say, I know what the Republicans are going to say. The video was captivating. The video showed people in uniform helping illegal immigrants yeah. through the razor wire. Okay, that's the type of thing that cuts through whatever the congressman said, whatever the mm-hmm. president's going to say on the State of the Union. That people, ordinary people, look at that and go, "I don't know if I like Trump. I don't know if I like Biden. I don't like that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to change leadership because of it." That's what I saw in that. But interview. the other thing you sure. saw in the video during that interview was that Biden was standing there with Border Patrol officials, right near a wall. A wall that Donald Trump built, right, and a wall that has not stopped Im- illegal immigration, which is what we were promised by the Trump administration. And then you, saw, stop. you saw Trump standing in front of a wall that was partially completed, that yes. he wants to finish in his hmm. second And wasn't there a new poll oh, saying that bluster, more people want the wall as well? Well, I mean, you gotta, you got to take it all into account, obviously, where these two are and, and where this is going forward. <laughs> but it'll be fascinating to see those two basically a a few hundred miles apart from each other on Thursday. All right, coming up here on the Hill, Hot Mike with Mick. His thoughts on the big White House meeting that is set to take place tomorrow and what he's hearing about the future of Nikki Haley's campaign. You hearing some things, Mick? Indeed. You are. Okay, Hot Mike with Mick coming up. And Chris said earlier today, Chris was like, I want to talk about llamas. (laughs) You want to talk about llamas? I love a llama. 
Why do you not love llama? Why does Chris want to talk about that llama right there? And what on earth does it have to do with the Supreme Court? Cuidado. Cuidado. (laughs) Steyerwald breaks it down on the other side of the break when the Hill on News Nation returns. Stay with us. A pack of your bags. All right, welcome back. Today, the Supreme Court heard arguments over two social media laws in the states of Florida and Texas that sought to bar the major major social media companies from making editorial judgments. Those companies argue today that the laws violate the First Amendment. Now, the court's decision is expected by June. So what are we supposed to make of a lot of the noise that is surrounding this case? Steyerwald here to break it all down. Chris? Oh, I didn't know I was going to have to be that good. Okay, well, we'll try. (laughs) On this day in 2015, two llamas, Kanitka and Laney, escaped on a visit to an assisted living facility outside of Phoenix, Arizona. For three magnificent hours that afternoon, the renegade llamas tracked by news helicopters overhead delighted the nation as they evaded law enforcement and animal control, darting in and out of traffic and generally being hilarious. (laughs) Before some cowboys finally lassoed them. That's right, America. It's the llamaversary. Uh, Kaknita and Laney became instant celebrities, spawning a tsunami of social media content and the kind of roadblock television coverage usually reserved for natural disasters and tragedies. So what does a goofy news story from nine years ago have to do with us? Well, that year, the percentage of American adults on social media hit 65%, up from 7% when the technologies broke through a decade before. The llamas proved the power of users on platforms like Twitter, now called X, to drive news coverage and the national discussion. It was a fluffy preview of something much less tame. The 2016 presidential election, the first one entirely in the connected age, unleashed a toxic stream of hate, anger, disinformation, and lies. We can blame Russian or Chinese meddling for some, but if we're being honest, we know that Americans didn't need much encouragement to tear each other apart. And we in the news business amplified that problem. We're chasing clicks and rage revenue by following social media mobs into the darkest corners of political life. Instead of trying to lead audiences to the truth, too many, too many journalists were following the herd. Two close elections and a pandemic later, it turned out to be a surprisingly short trip from a couple of leaping llamas to rage and riots. Less surprising is that Americans tuned out. In 2016, 51% of, all, of U.S. adults said they followed the news all or most of the time. Now that number is much, much lower across every age and demographic group. Burned out by mob-fueled outrage, they tuned out. And I don't blame them. Maybe now we know a little better. What looked like massive movements online were really driven by fanatical groups of super users. The top 10% of Twitter users were generating 92% of posts. Social media can be good or bad, like any tool, but it's not real life. Today, the Supreme Court heard arguments about state laws that try to put governments in charge of policing political speech. The measures in question smack of the kind of pandering to addicted online audiences that that took the U.S. from the lovable hijinks of some llamas to a violent flash mob storming the U.S. Capitol. Technologically and constitutionally obtuse, the laws seem unlikely to stand anyway. The better remedy would be that this election year, we in the press show what we've learned. Number one, the same human nature that has afflicted us for 10,000 years is no less and no more present in the digital age than it was before. Technology changed how we communicate, but not who we are. Number two, intensity is not the same as popular sentiment. In a country with 161 million registered voters, a social media uh, firestorm among a self-selected group of obsessive tells us very little about what normal people think. And number three, 
The news media is every bit as much villain as victim in the story of social media radicalizing politics. We have the power as individuals and institutions to choose how we use these tools. Maybe more journalists can show our independence and judgment and start to reverse that long slide in news consumption by offering you our best instead of chasing the worst. And maybe, if you will forgive me, kind of, more llamas... Less dramas. Steyerwolf breaks it down. Wow. I told you he wanted to is talk about the, llamas. Is that what the Sunday show is going to be like? Uh, I, I don't so catch What's that. the Sunday show going to be like? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, we need more of that. Yeah. Llama content, llama, llama facing content. <laughs> I don't know what sort of petting zoo we're going to have to have in here to get people to watch it, but uh, I'll, do, I'll do what it takes. All right. Hey, real, you know what's it, what's it? I'm sorry, go right ahead. No, I was just going to ask you real quick. What, what do we expect out of the Supreme Court here with this decision? In this I don't think you can prove a negative, and so I don't think they're going to do anything in connection to changing how these states can regulate these uh, these social media companies. I, I, Chris, I think you're right, but it's a thin line between chasing the positive and going with the herd and the negative because you're in the, the media is in the business of covering what's going on, whether it's on, online or otherwise. Totally, and these are prudential tests, right? For mm-hmm. us as journalists, what we have to try to do is use our best judgment and mm-hmm. use our experience to come to terms. But what was happening 10 years ago was social media was new and it blew our circuit boards, right? We were like, oh my gosh, look at this. That tweet's got 30,000 right. retweets. Right, about right, right. Well, when you only have as many people as would go to a high school football game mm-hmm. uh, engaging with something, it looks really big when it's right here on your phone. Right. But again, in a country with 161 registered, 161 million registered voters, yeah. it's not that much. It's minute. <laughs> yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Still much more ahead here on the Hill. Uh, do you shop at Kroger? Do you shop at Albertsons? If you do the Biden administration today, you might want to listen up. The Biden administration dropped some news about the possible future of your grocery store, what they said and what it could mean for your community. Plus, did you hear the warning from the nation's top banker, Jamie Dimon, from earlier today as well? Why he is in the camp that the economy might not have a soft landing. We'll show you what he said. And Donald Trump officially appealing his nearly half a billion dollar judgment today. On the other side of the break, we're talking to the woman who set up a GoFundMe account for the former president. We're following the money. Hot mic with Nick as well. On the Hill on News Nation returns. All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. So President Biden just 10 days away from the next State of the Union address. The Federal Trade Commission, by the way, to date in advance of that, might be giving him a new talking point, potentially. The FTC is suing to block what would be the largest supermarket merger in U.S. history. That's between Kroger and Albertsons. The director of the FTC's Bureau of Competition saying, quote, it would, it would lead to additional grocery price hikes for everyday goods, further exacerbating the financial strain consumers across the country face today, end quote. Meantime, did you see this? One of the nation's, not one of, the nation's top banker is warning that He's not as optimistic about the economy as the markets are. Here was Jamie Dimon earlier today. Watch. When people talk about, you know, the market is kind of pricing a soft landing, that may very well happen, but, you know, the odds at 70 or 80 percent, I would give them half of that. That's all. We may very well have one, but I think there was also a higher chance in the market things of rates being a little bit higher. So, Mick, so Jamie Dimon says if the markets are pricing in a 75 percent or chance so of there being a soft landing, meaning no recession. Right. He's at half of that, which is pricing in maybe a two thirds percent chance that there could be some 
form of a recession. Is he right there? Yeah, I, listen, I, it, this is prognostication of the markets, right? If you knew he was right, you could make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On we wouldn't tonight. be here. We'd so be on the, the yacht that, in the Mediterranean. That's exactly right. right. I think what he's saying is, look, the numbers are all over the place. They just are. The inflation numbers are still sticking around. There was some new inflation data out just last week that it's still hotter than the Federal Reserve wants. But you weigh that against the Federal Reserve's inability to raise their rates. They can't raise rates back like they did in the 1970s to beat inflation because we couldn't afford interest rates at 16% right now. The federal government would go broke. So there's sort of this strange area where inflation is still hot, but the Fed can't really raise rates. In fact, they're talking about lowering rates. The data is all over the board right now. And that's why I think you're getting a variety of opinions on what comes down in the next six to nine months. If this happens, if he's right, that ain't good for your guy. It ain't happening. Two years ago, they were, <laughs> they were uh, prognosticating that we were going to be in a recession, and inflation was going to be twice as high. So inflation I mean, was transitory for a while, too. Yeah, uh, that's true, too. I can see that. I can see that. So they've all been wrong all over the place. I think the big deal here is Jamie Dimon, when people, when people hear Jamie Dimon, they listen to him. Yeah. And he's also in that interview, start talking about, I know you're going to talk about this, talking about the uh, merger okay. between these credit card companies. Yeah, so the Discover and uh, Capital One. Exactly. And Democrats are already saying no block. So we saw the Biden administration say, let's block this supermarket deal. Yep. Now there's a possible conglomerate credit card deal. Here was J- Jamie Dimon on that, too. Watch. Look, I, I think companies should be allowed to do and innovate and grow and merge and try to challenge things. I think that's good. So I think it's a mistake to act like it's bad. It's good for competition. In fact, some of we I think they should allow some of these small banks to merge. If that's how they, they think they can best compute J.P. Morgan, you should let them. It may not work in every case, but they, you shouldn't predetermine that. You should let the market uh, predetermine that. And you got Democrats coming out today basically pushing back on this idea of, of, of a merger. Democrats hate mergers. I, well, I know, and, and that's why I bring up the, and, the and, Kroger and, thing. And, Repu- and Republicans Let do them compete. Too. Do they really? Okay. Yeah, and Josh Hawley and the other sort of <laughs> they hate everything. They, yeah, they're, they're against it. <laughs> this is a story about Joe Biden paying a price <clears throat> for uh, appeasing his left wing in the early going of his administration. He mm-hmm. appointed a woman named Lena Khan yep. mm-hmm. to run the FTC. And Lena mm-hmm. Khan is an enthusiastic radical. She's an Elizabeth boy. She's, she's a very, very, I'm sure the youngest person to ever lead the FTC. And she brings this super aggressive approach. Here's the problem. That merger, that grocery store merger, mm-hmm. uh, the argument that it would raise prices is that it would raise prices in the long term. What would it do to food prices in the short term? Bring them down. It would bring short-term food prices down, which is something Joe Biden would like. What would the credit card? We had the points guy on. Yeah, our, our they said friend, it's good for consumers. What would, what would that mm-hmm. do in the short term for consumers? It would help consumers. Joe Biden would like both of those things to happen this year, but Lena Khan okay. has a different opinion. All right. Meantime, today, President, uh, former President Trump, appealed the New York civil fraud trial trial judgment against him, nearly half a billion dollars, four hundred fifty-four million, but. Trump may not have to pay it all alone, potentially. Elena Cardone is the CEO of Build an, Enterpri- uh, Build an Empire and the wife of the famous investor Grant Cardone. She set up a GoFundMe for Trump's legal fees. As you can see there, she's raised about a, uh, $1.2 million and joins us live. Elena, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. Appreciate the time. Real quick, tell us, what, what, what are you trying to do here? I'm trying to send a message both to President Trump that, you know, if you get messed with, you have an an ally of forces of people behind you saying this is not okay, and a message to the government for uh, an extreme overreach by the the 
essence of the word of what has been done here to to our president. Essentially putting sanctions on our president is just it's just mind boggling to me. So I really wanted to send a message and I just went full blown out and set up a GoFundMe at the spur of the moment. One point two five million dollars, twenty two thousand donations. I did a little back of the envelope math. That's fifty six bucks per. Um, you got a long way to go. I know you, you're saying you're trying to send a message. Yes, definitely trying to send a message. This is this has been done, and I guess we're on day nine or ten at this point. So it's 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 definitely getting a lot of attention, both in both aspects. I have. Um, entrepreneurs and property owners, they're reaching out to us. We have uh, large investments here in the South uh, East region. We pulled immediately when this verdict was read. We, set, we stopped right. all opportunities in New York, Chicago, and California because this was just a very shocking and, and every single American should be concerned by this, this are, verdict. Are, are you making any money off the GoFundMe? And, and what have you done with, with, the, with the businesses, with the family, and, and New York as a result? Say that again? I said, are you making any money off the GoFundMe? And separately, what have you done with the, the family businesses or, or enterprise in New York? Are you, are you stop investing there at all? Oh, we, 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 we pulled out. We've, we've uh, advised all of our investors that they should also cease doing business with New York. It's not a safe place to do business at this time. We pulled out all of our future events there. We will not be going to New York um, until, until matters resolve. Um, to answer your other question, no, I am not personally going to be um, getting any money personally from this GoFundMe account. This is going to be set up into a, tr- a trust that can either pay for his civil legal defense okay. uh, appeal, um, the bond. Um, so the lawyers are working now. But, um, but yeah, this is totally legal, and we are in coordination um, to facilitate it. People have tried to shut this GoFundMe down. They tried to shut it down hard, but we are operating in the legal bounds and guidelines. So we're, we're ready right. to keep on going. And, and I'd like to turn it over to President Trump with a big old handshake and salute and say, hey, you have an okay. army of people standing by your side. Elena Cardone, we'll, we'll leave it there. And thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Have a great day. Uh, meantime, by the way, Did you see this from over the weekend? Argentina's president, Javier Malay, former president Donald Trump, having a uh, bit of a a friendly (laughs) meeting there. I couldn't even make the read before Mick started laughing. Oh, you have no idea. This was at CPAC. (laughs) The two speaking with one another uh, over the weekend. What what brings you to... To, to dead laughter. The man. hair alone. The hair oh, alone. Yeah. Oh, what, what look you, at the hair. You have. They're taking tips from each other. Right. 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 Taking tips from you each have other. no idea how much Trump is hating that. Why? Why do you say the that? Man is not a hugger. Uh, he's, <laughs> he is not a toucher. Um, I remember one time we had to, at uh, Howdy Modi down in Houston, Texas, and okay. we negotiated how exactly long we were going to stand on India stage. Modi Modi was there, and at. Unannounced at the end, Modi comes up, grabs him on stage by the hand, and they walk the entire floor of the arena, 80,000 screaming Indian No touching! No touching! And, and Trump is, yeah, Trump's not a touch. <laughs> so that, I, I'm watching this going, oh my goodness gracious. He's so, holding him pretty long, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. he's holding yeah. Hold me I think closer, Tommy Dancer. Yeah. Yes. That's, uh, wow. Okay. 
coming up. Uh, Mulvaney knows what it's like to be in the room with the president and top congressional leaders. So what should we expect ahead of tomorrow's big showdown at the White House? This is the Big Four and the president. And what's the game plan for Nikki Haley going forward? Hot mic with Nick. I don't know how many laughs there'll be. He'll, he'll give laughs. his take. There, there might laughs. be a few yeah, laughs. A couple laughs. But hot, hot mic with Nick on the other side of the break when the hill returns. Stay with us. No llamas. No llamas. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watch. My national security advisor tells me that we're close. We're close. We're not done yet. And my hope is by next Monday, we'll have a ceasefire. Now, the announcement comes as the president is facing a major test tomorrow as Democrats head to the polls in Michigan. Now, he is not facing a serious primary challenge. Rather, a group of liberal Democrats in that state are pushing people to vote, quote unquote, uncommitted as a protest to the president's policies, especially regarding his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. And the state's governor, Gretchen Whitmer, is one of the national co-chairs of the president's re-election campaign. She says she is doing everything, Kelly, to rally support for President Biden. How big of a problem is this in the state of Michigan right now for him? You're out on the trail with him. I am so curious about what's going to happen tomorrow. We've been reporting on this, that folks are uh, looking to check off uncommitted on this ballot on Tuesday. This is a battleground state. This is somewhere where Trump could really take this. Uh, And I think, you know, especially when the comments come out where he's saying a ceasefire deal may be close, that's exactly what those supporters uh, there in Michigan, Arab Americans, want to hear. A week away. A week away. But he felt compelled to say it the day before. I mean, and and to be fair to him, there have been some reports on the matter, but he came out here, the, the, the... you know, day before the primary. You worried about this? Uh, Part of the thing here is in 2016, as Chris knows, 10,000 votes, a little less than 10,000 votes separated. So they're trying to get 10,000 uncommitted votes against the president to to send him a message that this this could lose in Michigan. Message received. Lots of Democrats, lots of union uh, workers there. Uh, If they get 10,000 votes, it's not going to make a difference because Biden's the only one on the ballot. And between now and November... We're going to make peace with the Arab Democrats or Arab American Democrats. They can send the message, but those aren't enough votes to make a difference, even in Michigan between now and November. And between the peace that we're going to make with them and the fact that they're going to have one choice, Trump or Biden, uh, we're going to win Michigan. No matter what happens tomorrow, the question is, will they come home in November? Or will they even turn out? Right. Or or they even turn out. Now, the magic number that you're looking for tomorrow. Okay. 15%. Okay. So they say that their goal is 10%. But delegate rules say that if they hit 15%, Mm. then they get a delegate. And if they can manage to achieve one delegate at 15% of the vote and and are viable, that creates a weird, that creates some weird momentum. And now there's a free radical on the floor at the Democratic (laughs) Convention, and it gets more interesting. All right. Time now. Free radical. Free radical. (laughs) (laughs) Time now for Hot Mike with Nick. Uh, Mulvaney gives us a peek behind the scenes, tells us what he's hearing. Uh, Nikki Haley staying in the race after really the, let's, 
let's sort of be real here, no race at all going forward. Why is she staying in it? What's the thought there? What are you hearing? Um, I'll start off with something you know to expect me to say. I don't know. Okay. okay? <laughs> Here's what I do know. I do not expect her to be the no labels candidate at all. No, Keep in mind, this is, she is a conservative Tea Party governor, fiscal conservative, pro-life neoconservative on foreign policy. She is not what No Labels has said they've wanted from the very beginning, a compromise ticket, a unity ticket, a down-the-middle ticket. She's about as, 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 as compromised as I am. I just don't see her going as the third party. He- headline, No Labels director says Nikki Haley, quote, somebody we'd definitely be interested in. Now, let's in. talk about that, because okay. that's from Joe Cunningham. Okay, Joe Cunningham mm-hmm. is a former elected official who's a one- or two-time member of Congress from South Carolina, down in Charleston. Democrat snuck into a seat that should have been Republican. Republicans were infighting between Katie Arrington and Mark Sanford. He's not a big name in no labels. He's not like Nancy Jacobson or Mark Penn. He's not one of the big names. He's not uh, uh, Joe Lieberman. He's Yeah, he's there. He participates. But um, I, I, that's the first person I've heard at no labels okay. mention Nikki Haley. Uh, another story I'd like to get your thoughts on. President Biden has invited the top Democrats from the House and the Senate over to the White House tomorrow. This is the big four, right? The top two in the Senate, the top two in the House. Uh, Biden, to meet congressional leaders with shutdown clock ticking. You've been in you've been in these meetings uh, a couple times. A couple times. Couple <laughs> I, I, I've seen I've seen both sides of a shutdown. Were you yes, there when Pelosi walked out? Were you there I've on that one? To, yes, I've okay. been that one. I've been the yes. What do you want to know about shutdowns? Anyway, <laughs> um, here's what Republicans here's what, get blamed. Here's yeah, that's exactly right. But it doesn't make any difference because it doesn't it doesn't change any any voting patterns. Anyway, here's here's what you're hearing is that in the past. I've described the shutdown mania as there are people on the Hill who want a shutdown. They want to make the point. They want to have that battle. And then you end up not having a shutdown because things tend to fall apart. It's the exact opposite right now. I don't know that many people on the Hill who really are you know, sort of itching for a shutdown. There's always a couple. But generally speaking, the center of gravity is let's get something done. But the chances of having a shutdown are actually much higher than normal simply because the place is so broken. What do you put it at? Um, I think it's above 50% of at least some type of a shutdown. I go back to what happened in 2017. I was the OMB director at the time, learned a great lesson, which is the OMB director is actually the person who shuts down the government. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a fun day at work. Um, <laughs> and we had an accidental shutdown because of something that Rand Paul had filed right before midnight on a Friday night. We went up 24-hour shutdown. That's what I feel is going to happen here. It's going to be a couple of days because they just cannot get their act together. I don't think the meeting at the White House changes it because if Mike Johnson wants to keep his job, he's going to go down there talking about border security, not funding. the. What are the odds you think Mike Johnson keeps his job? 50-50. One of the most interesting things I saw on the stage the other night in South Carolina, aside from Woody Johnson, who we can talk about later, big donors coming back to Trump, was the call out to Matt Gates and the, and the round of applause I, he got yeah. in South Carolina. Matt Gates is famous now because of what he did to Kevin McCarthy. And there's going to be at least half a dozen other members of that body. And they're going, you know what? I want to be as famous as Matt Gates. How do I get rid of Mike Johnson? He's, he's famous for a couple Matt. of other things. <laughs> you know, I was there in the room, I was there in the room on, on Saturday night, and it was... It was um, Interesting because Lindsey Graham, ooh, and like yeah. Trump tried to contain that a little bit and couldn't because because it's Lindsey Graham, and yeah. you can't yeah. stop people in South Carolina from from booing Lindsey Graham. Right. But Matt Gates, it was like um, this might be a bad analogy, but there were like the claps and the applause, and it didn't stop, and there were more, and it was like trying to cheer the band on, right? When you're like mm-hmm. at the concert and watching the band, and you want them to keep going, he had th- that reception there kind of stunned me a little. What? Why? Why? 
You were there in the room. You were in the zone. Yeah, because they like wanted it to. They it just kept going. It, it was like the enthusiasm for Matt Gates kept kept going, kept building. Here's what Trump is doing in those things. Of course, he's always going to check the boxes for the local people. That's that's ordinary right. course of business with Trump. He does it every single place that he goes. But when he goes to those other people, he's measuring. He's trying to see how those folks are received. That's why he mentioned Ronald yeah. McDaniel. He mentioned Matt Gates. He mentioned a couple other folks who weren't connected to South Carolina. He wants to see how the crowd reacts to them. Yeah. Interesting. But how do they get it done with Mike Johnson being in the predicament that he's in? You put it at 50-50. I don't think you can serve two masters. He's walking in living conflict. And if he doesn't get this deal done, they shut the government down. Or they do get it done, and he loses his job. How can you have a fair negotiation and put the government first if he's in that position? The answer is a discharge petition. The problem is that takes about nine legislative days, or in the real world, about three weeks. So um, does Johnson keep his job even under that probably, scenario? Probably under under a discharge petition. Yes, okay. it was always we always used to worry that that Boehner would use this as an excuse to avoid responsibility for actually cutting a deal. Okay. My guess is that sentiment is probably held by other folks on the Hill right now. Before we go to break, did you see this? Show it on the screen. Are we seeing Malay? No, no, yeah. it's not Malay. Okay. <laughs> Winning a day of sailing on the Pacific with RFK Jr. That from Team Kennedy. Kelly signing up. <laughs> when you see that around the table we go what do you what, what do you see you, you take him up on that uh, no <laughs> i don't need a husband <laughs> oh gosh i i definitely have been sailing before i don't know maybe if i could grab an interview while we're on there with uh, there, you there, go. there we go i like you the know. angle i've heard like on reliable sources that jfk is going to be on sailing uh, with yeah, him no. and uh, you know what i'd go what's, what's going on here uh, PT 109 comes to mind. I don't. Oh, I, I, that's I, that's I, what I said. I, I, I don't. I don't know. But I, he was in California talking to the libertarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a pretty chilly reception there. But mm. there is momentum for him nationally. Uh, his best chance, uh, and something that Democrats ought to be very much hoping for, is that he can convince the Libertarian Party to give him. Uh, their ballot access and get him on the state, get him on the ballot all across the country because that'd be tough for. And they're showing he's younger, like to the other comparisons. Well, talk about he damning can do push-ups and yeah, go exactly. sailing and do all the out on the boat there. All right, coming up. Out of all the bills that our government makes, which one do you think has spiked the most in terms of production in the recent years? I saw the chart over the weekend and I was dead wrong with my guess. So which one do you think it is? I'll chat with Leland Vader, host of On Balance. On the other side of the break, stay with us. The Hill on News Nation returns. The Hill Sunday with Chris Starwalt. Unvarnished, unapologetic insights from the best journalists in Washington and around the country. That's what we have in News Nation. Premieres March 3rd at 10 a.m. Eastern on News Nation. All right, so before we say goodbye, here's a couple stories that caught our eye. Did you know that the $100 bill is, a mo- is, a, is this country's now most common currency? In fact, it has doubled in circulation in the recent years. Right around 2015, it passed the dollar bill. And yet, as the Wall Street Journal reports, the bill is hated by cashiers who struggle to spot a fake or make change for a small purchase, as you might imagine. Second story that we saw, show the full screen, quote, Man pleads guilty to insider trading after overhearing wife's work calls. Leland Vitter, host of On Balance. This one is fascinating. The guy, the, the wife worked for BP. Yep. Their BP was acquiring a company. She works from home. The husband hears the phone calls, makes $1.76 million in trades, and now the SEC says, you know what, you could be going to prison for five years. 
Maybe call Nancy Pelosi as a character witness. Hey, oh. Uh, just made a million dollars on her NVIDIA trade. She, uh, among, among some other uh, quite convenient, one, or shall we say lucky, She's maybe. got a, about a million and a quarter on Palo Alto Networks, too, I believe, that just came in. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I wonder how that's going to do. Yeah, anyway, 10% fascinating, today. though, for all the people that work at home, he was snooping on the 